Again, we want to welcome everyone that's here in person. Those who are watching online, welcome to you as well. Uh, just as our shepherd, uh, Galen Siegler, said earlier, we want to encourage everyone to uh, register your attendance today. You can do that on the app. Uh, those of you that are watching online, if you are members here, you have the app and you can register and uh, check your attendance by going to that tile that says church and then clicking on attendance, and uh, you can do that right online through our app. Uh, Joyce is able to be here today, so we're thankful for that, but usually she's the one that checks attendance for Bill and Joyce because her husband forgets. So I always appreciate that she is the one that does that, and so she'll be able to do that in person today. If you don't have the app or you're just not comfortable using that, then fill out one of the cards on the back of the pew in front of you, as we say, and just leave it in the pew, and we'll be sure and pick those up uh, afterwards. Again, welcome to everyone. I have uh, my sister and brother-in-law who were going to be here with us today, but she wasn't feeling well, and they are on their way to Beaumont, Texas, the Big B. So they're on Highway 69 and are listening in uh, to our service. So welcome to them. Welcome to all uh, who are here present and also who are watching and present with us online. That means so very much. While you're filling out that card, you may notice those blue encouragement cards uh, right there as well. Feel free to fill one of those out also. There's a box in the back at the information booth that you can put that in. We have a wonderful team of people that take two weeks and uh, fill out those uh, envelopes for those cards and mail them out. And so we appreciate everyone doing that and sending a word of encouragement. A lot of folks need that uh, these days, as you know. And tonight we have a special uh, uh, time together at 5 p.m. in the Family Life Center. We're going to be making uh, calls by phone or text message or writing some cards out or even sending a few folks out for in-person visits. And so I hope that if you're able to do that, we're going to have some names of folks, uh, many of which came to our wonderful seminar a couple of weeks ago. And so hopefully you'll be around and able to participate with us this evening and send a note or make a visit as we meet together tonight at 5 p.m. in our Family Life Center. Uh, we've been sharing over the past several weeks a series uh, about uh, being good, bad guys and what that means. And we realize that not everyone in our community looks at us as being the bad guys but it does seem more and more that people who profess faith in Jesus Christ, people who are active in, in church, uh, people who seek to glorify and honor God, the God of the Bible, uh, tend to be looked down upon more so than perhaps uh, they ever have in years past. And so our, our view is we can't control how people react to us. We can control only how we treat them and how we act towards them. And so if we are going to be considered bad guys, then let's be the best bad guys that we can be. And what does it mean to be good bad guys? And that's what we've been sharing and talking about. And this morning, we're going to be speaking about being good bad guys in the community, letting our lights shine. Well, in order to be good bad guys in the community, we must be active in the community. Now, see, I had years and years of graduate school that allowed me to be able to realize that and consider that and 
think that up, and I'm proud to be able to share my ultimate knowledge with you today. (laughs) This isn't rocket science. If we're going to be good bad guys in the community, it follows that we have to be active in the community. If we are going to let our lights shine, (laughs) then we need to be out there where the people who are living in darkness can see that light. In order to be good bad guys in the community, we must be active in the community. And so this morning, as we consider that thought, I want to share a few things, uh, reminders, really. We know all of these things. We just sometimes need to be reminded that this is how we're supposed to live. This is how Jesus lived, and this is how he calls us to live today. And it's interesting, sometimes we get caught up in that thinking, well, but things are so much more difficult now than they used to be. He doesn't expect us to be that way now. Well, quite the opposite. As we read through the pages of the New Testament, we read about Christians and about churches who were having a very difficult and and hard time, and yet they were called upon to be the salt of their earth, to be the light of their world, to let their lights shine. And as you know, the lights are especially needed when things are so very dark. I remember uh, back in the day uh, when Joyce and I were young and we, were, we would dra- dra- travel to, from San Antonio to Garner State Park. Beautiful place. Many of you have been there. Wonderful place. And I don't know if you can still go up and go through it now, but there was a cave up one of the hills, and it was called the Icebox, because it was, no matter how hot it was outside, it was cold in that cave, but it was also something else. What was it? Dark. I mean, it was dark. In fact, you would do this, and you couldn't see your hand, and literally could not see your hand in front of your face. Well, when things are especially dark, that's when the light is especially needed. And so to be the light of the world, first of all today, our lights must shine. If we are going to be good bad guys in the community, we need to be active in the community. And to be the light of the world, our lights must shine. We must not hide them. We must not let Satan blow them out. But our lights must shine. And of course, that's taken from those wonderful words of Jesus in Matthew 5, verses 13 through 16. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and then put it under a bowl. Instead, they set it up on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the whole house. And then Jesus says this, In the same way, let your light shine among others, so that they may see your good deeds, and glorify God on the day that he visits us. The Apostle Peter heard Jesus say those words in the Sermon on the Mount. And then later on, when he would write to disciples, to Christians who were in places and in churches and in communities that were very difficult for people of faith, he would say these words in 1 Peter chapter 2, live such good lives among the pagans that though they may be critical of you, they may see your good deeds and glorify your heavenly Father. 
glorify God on the day that he visits us. Peter was writing to people who were having a very difficult time in their communities. And so what he said was, live such good lives among them. Let your light shine so among them that even though they criticize you and speak ill of you, they may see your good deeds and perhaps be brought to the Lord. To be the light of the world, our lights must shine. Um, Secondly today, to be like Jesus our Lord, we must do as he did. We must do as he did. And Jesus came preaching a message of hope and of joy, and of God's presence, of forgiveness, of kindness, and goodness, and love. I appreciated so much Galen's prayer earlier. Asking God and and looking for that strength and that blessing to be able to uh, appreciate the wonderful blessings that we have. Living in the country that we're living, have, having the, the church that we have, having the friends that we have, the family, being blessed so much more than so many in the world. In fact, today is an international day of prayer for the persecuted people of faith, Christians around the world. And yes, there are much persecution going on still today. And so we can recognize and appreciate and and be thankful for the great blessings that we have and and not present ourselves to our community as as if we are struggling more than any human beings ever have. Quite the opposite, in fact. And yet, if we were to ask them, the people that are around us, the people that we work with, our family members, the, the people in our neighborhood, if we were to ask them, what... What, what, how would you describe me? What words might come to mind? Would they say joy? Would they say hopeful? Would they say servant or blessing? What would they say? Would they say angry? Would they say selfish? Would they say afraid? Jesus and the disciples and the first century church had every reason to feel those ways, and yet they did not. They boldly proclaimed the word of the Lord, but before they boldly proclaimed it with their mouths, they boldly displayed it with their lives. No matter how hopeless their situation might have been, nothing could take away the hope that they had in Jesus Christ. And the same is true of us. To be like Jesus our Lord, we must do as he did. Well, what does that look like? Well, John 13 gives us one example. Jesus in that upper room, Jesus with those uh, disciples, those 12, including Judas, who was about to betray betray him, Peter who was about to deny him, all of the rest who were about to run off and leave him to die. And yet there's Jesus at the beginning of John 13, taking off his clothes, putting a towel around him, getting a bowl of water, and going from disciple to disciple, washing their dirty, filthy feet. The Son of God did that to people who were about to do him so much emotional wrong and hurt. And yet that's what Jesus did. And then he applies it, uh, skipping down in John 13, 
to these words, beginning at verse 12. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash my feet. Well, that's what we think it should say, right? But it doesn't say that. Now that I, your teacher and Lord, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. You say, oh, but Bill, those, those people around me, they don't deserve for me to treat them well. They don't deserve for me to be kind to them, for me to serve them. And I'll say, you're, you're probably right. No more than these disciples deserved for Jesus to wash their feet. No more than you and I deserved for Jesus, as Bill so wonderfully shared earlier, as he gave his life for us. I have set you an example, verse 15, that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. It's not just knowing that Jesus wants us to live this way. It's to actually live that way, to have that joy, to have that hope, so much so that it spills out into kindness and love and well-treatment of others. Skipping down in John 13, verses 34 and 35, Jesus says, A new commandment I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Why would that tip everyone off? Because no one else does it. They might love their friends. They might be kind and gracious to the people that are kind and gracious to them. But what's going to separate us from everyone else is to treat people the way Jesus treated us. With love and kindness even when we were unloving and unkind to him. Now we're called to do the same for others. In 1 John chapter 4, John speaks so much in chapters 3 and 4 of 1 John about loving others. And he has a very similar statement to the one that he has here in the gospel as Jesus shared, as I have done this for you, as I have washed your feet, you should wash one another's feet. In 1 John 4, he says, as I have loved you, you also ought to love one another. Yes, we are called to love him, but Jesus also says, and it's a very strong message in 1 John 3 and 4 and elsewhere, that we are to do as he did, we are to love others. Paul writes to the Ephesians and the Colossians and tells them another model of Jesus' uh, actions that we are to emulate is forgiveness. And he tells them in the same way, just as God in Christ Jesus has forgiven us, we also are to forgive others. That's a very high standard, and yet we're called upon to do that. Doesn't sound optional at all in Scripture. And the truth of the matter is, if we will treat people this way, if we will be loving and kind to them and respectful to them and good to them, even if they don't treat us that way at all, if we will...
Phone test. Testing one, two, three. Michael test. Microphone test. This is Bill. Um, if you're hearing this for the first, never mind. Um, to be the light of the world, our lights must shine. To be like Jesus, our Lord, we must do as he did. We must serve others the way, they, the way he served us. We must love others the way he loved us. We must forgive others the way he has forgiven us. And then thirdly, to have a faith that is alive, we must show our faith by our deeds. Just as he's already said in John 13, now that you know these things, you're going to be blessed if you do them. If you do them. Being good bad guys in the community doesn't just mean that we know the will of the Lord. It means that we do it. Being good bad guys in the community means having a faith that is alive. And if we have a faith that is alive, it's about more than just words. It's about actions and deeds that demonstrate our faith. And you know these passages of scripture that are on your outline there. And that are on the screen. In James chapter 2, faith without works is what? Dead. Faith without deeds is useless and dead. And James, in James chapter 2, gives a couple of examples from the Old Testament on that. Abraham, who not only knew what God had commanded him to do, but he actually by faith did it. And then, of course, the wonderful story of Rahab in the time of Joshua, in the conquest of the city of Jericho, who knew without a doubt that the God of the people of Israel was the one true and living God. But she didn't just sit on that knowledge. She delivered those spies and she delivered her whole family because of her faith that was accompanied by her deeds, by her works. Jesus said in Matthew 7, Not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who what? Does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many are going to say, hey, didn't we do lots of great things in your name? Didn't we talk to others? Didn't we do all of these things? And yet Jesus is going to say, I never knew you. Get away. Why? Because it's about more than just talk. It's about doing the will of the Father. It's about a faith that is accompanied by deeds. It's about being good bad guys in the community. Not just being mournful or angry that some people consider us to be the bad guys. But rather seeing that as an opportunity to return good for evil. To return kindness to unkindness, to return love for hate. In two great passages in Ephesians 2, 1 through 10 and Titus 3, 3 through 8, both of those passages, Paul talks about the blessing that we have because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And in both of those passages, he ends them in very similar ways. We are created in Christ Jesus to do good works, he tells the Ephesians. And to uh, his friend Titus, his, his son in the gospel, along with Timothy, he tells him to preach to those at Ephesus that they are to be devoted to doing what is good. And that's not dependent upon how we're treated. That's dependent upon how Jesus has already treated us. 
to the Corinthians and the Colossians, Paul wrote, and he told them, look, everything we say and everything we do, whatever we do, we do it to honor God. We do it to glorify Christ. And so a couple of ways that we do this, to have a faith that is alive, we must show our faith by our deeds. First of all, as a church, we do that in the church life and ministry that we have here. We seek to do what is good. We seek to help. We seek to serve. But it's not just as a church that we are called upon to do that. We are called upon to show our faith by our deeds as individuals as well. We are to called upon to have a faith that is alive, a faith that is followed by deeds and actions and works. We do that as a church. And the community sees that. But we also do that as individuals. And others see that as well. Several things about this. Number one, we hear a lot of times about thoughts and prayers. I'm giving you thoughts and prayers. And, and we've been criticized for that by people who don't share our faith, who don't realize the power that there is in prayer. And Joyce and I realize that, and we feel that constantly. And we get that, and we say that. My thoughts and prayers are with you, and we genuinely mean it. But people of the world, they don't quite get that if they don't see a life that is actually committed to helping. To allowing our prayers that go to God to be used and fulfilled in us. That God would actually answer those prayers by sending us to help. We're called upon to do exactly that. It means being active in the life and ministry of this church. And we have so many who do just that exact thing. Whether it's sending a little encouragement card, uh, helping send those out, uh, writing a, a note or saying a prayer for someone, giving them a call, sending them a text of encouragement, teaching a Bible class. Being willing to be a part of a, of a ministry or a committee that's a part of the life of this church, whether it's feeding the hungry through our caring kitchen or uh, distributing food on Wednesday mornings to the needy of our neighborhood. Perhaps it's going out and, and being involved with senior Christians or with youth or with our children. So many ways that we're active in the life and ministry of this church. It means giving. It means benevolence. It means helping those in need. As a church, but also as individuals. It means volunteering in the community, in the neighborhood. Uh, my friend Bill Paschal, who shared as we gathered around the table, uh, is active with the Rotary Club here in town and is their president at this time and, and invited me to come to one of their meetings recently. And what a blessing that group is to our community and to and so many other groups like it. And people need to see us being a part of those things. We share our convictions about the Word of God, about everything, about morality, about uh, the sanctity of life. And as I've said before, it's, it's one thing to stand strong against the sinfulness of abortion, but we also must make sure that people hear that we consider both lives important the mother and the child, and that however that works out, we want to be with them, whether they carry that baby and give her up for adoption or adopt, uh, take them into their own home, we're going to be there to help. Christian Homes and Family Services is a wonderful, wonderful ministry that does that, and we participate with them, and they'll have another dinner 
um, in January after the first of the year. Hangers of Hope here in our neighborhood in Tyler uh, help with uh, promoting and supporting the Bethesda Health Clinic. So many other great opportunities in our neighborhood to help and to volunteer. We treat others with kindness and respect and help toward all, even our enemies, especially our enemies. It's what sets us apart. We share our faith. We invite people to come to a seminar or to a church service, to a, a, a fun uh, night that a Bible class will have next Sunday evening, whatever the event. We're willing to invite them to come and hear the Word of God and see people who believe in that word so strongly. This evening we'll be doing that by sending some calls and cards out and people out to share with people who have visited us recently, tomorrow and every day, offering help and hope and joy to people in our circles that need that so much and they need to see that in us. Well, as we close today, I want to speak of the irony of this, of being good, bad guys in the community. The irony is evident. We are to actively be good guys in the same community that calls us the bad guys. Did you get that? That's what Jesus has called us to do. The very community, the very people that might look down on us because of our faith, that might consider us the bad guys in society because of our convictions, Jesus sends us right straight to them. (laughs) We are to be the good bad guys in the same community. We are to be the good guys in the midst of those who call us the bad guys. Paul spoke of this in Romans chapter 12 as he talked about forgiving our enemies and blessing those who curse us and leaving judgment and vengeance to God. He said this in Romans 12 verse 21, do not be overcome by evil, but rather overcome evil, how? With good. And you see, that's different. That's not how the world does that. The world overcomes evil with evil. The world overcomes power with power, strength with strength. Jesus overcame evil by submitting himself to a trumped-up charge, to vicious, horrible treatment by his adversaries, to crucifixion on a cross. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Peter tells us to live that way in 1 Peter 2 and takes us back to Isaiah 53 that looks ahead hundreds of years to the life and values and sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And Jesus himself said in that great chapter in Matthew 5, a little bit further after speaking about salt of the earth and light of the world, he said, even among your enemies, love them. Treat them kindly. Forgive them. It's an amazing thing. And we are called to do exactly that. We are to actively be good guys in the same community that calls us the bad guys. And we gratefully, joyfully do just that.
We're thankful to do that. We're grateful to God for what he has given us in Jesus Christ, so much so that we will look around at those who mean us harm and we will pray for them and we will help them and we will serve them and we will respond to their unkind words with kindness and we will respond to their disrespect with respect and we will respond to their hate and vitriol with love. Because that's how Jesus has treated us. And that's what makes us credible, effective witnesses of Jesus Christ. I want to be a worker for the Lord. I want to love and trust his holy word. I will work. I will pray. I will labor every day in the vineyard of the Lord. I will be a good, bad guy in the community Jesus has sent me into. If we can help you do and be that, come as we stand, sing our song together.